This podcast is brought to you by A to C Academy. Reach your fullest potential. Welcome to today's fireside chat between two amazing women, Dr. Elizabeth Xu and Microsoft、uh, CVP Julia Liu. My name is Daniel Chu, and、uh, engineering manager at Microsoft. Our first speaker, Dr. Liu. Became a C-level、uh, corporate executive in 2005. She has served in two CTO positions、uh, of billion-dollar companies. She's now the CEO of A2C Academy. Atatolis is a well-recognized community leader and executive mentor. She was named as top 50 diversity leader in the United States. In 2020, received a presidential award in 2019, a global leadership award in 2018, named the Women in Technology International Hall of Fame Award in 2017, and Women of Influence in Silicon Valley in 2013. Our guest speaker is、uh, Julia Lucen,、uh, uh, the corporate vice president of Microsoft's. Uh, developer division. She leads the technical and business strategy, product development, and engineering teams for Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, .NET, and developer services and platform for Azure.、Uh, Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code are consistently voted as the best co-editing tools for. Developers in the industry. Julia was the first woman leading development teams and promoted to CEP of engineering at Microsoft. Elizabeth and Julia, stage is yours. I want to ask one more question about、uh, leadership and also being an executive. Being an executive, you're facing many changes all the time. Right, and then sometimes you are forced to make decisions with very little information, right? But you are on the spot; you need to make decision. What would you do to make such decision? Yeah, no, I, you know, I think the 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 truth is that you know what happens is that the as the decision come up to me, the easy decisions have been made. <laughs> if they, you know, if they could have made decision, they have made the decision. The decision they don't want to make or they don't know how to make is those are those are the ones that. Bubble up to me, and then every so often I will bubble up as well. Right, so I think that it's you know I think that I look at decision because the decision gets harder and harder because they have more and more stakeholders and bigger and bigger impact, and you realize you will never know what happens. One of the advice I got very early on in my career about decision making, and I you know in the, I thought he was a very smart person. He said you know most executive、uh, are less than fifty percent right. When they make, you know, when they make a decision, you know, it's like half and a half, like you know, fifty percent. You're less likely to be right.、Um, so you should, you know, collect as much information as you can, make the decision, and move forward. And I thought that's a very humbling way because you know you will never have all the information. If you think that you want to make decision right 100 percent of the time, that's just never going to happen. But one of the things I do do is that I want to solicit as much different. Perspective as possible, 
I think that by soliciting different perspectives, it helped me really round up to say, okay, I've heard all the different point of views. So one of the things sometimes I will do is that, you know, if there's some people, they will champion a particular position, right? I actually ask them to go say, okay, let's now pretend we'll go champion the other side of the position. What are all the arguments that we can come up to champion that position? And that really forced you to kind of, you know, get unmarried or unwelded on your current position and think more broadly to say, okay, what happens on the other side? And the other question I ask a lot about that team is that when do I have to make decision? I want to make decision in some ways as late as one is necessarily. Like there are times, you know, if I don't make decision, the team is blocked. So I want to definitely unblock them. But sometimes I was like, you know what? That decision can come three months later. So I'm going to wait three more months because I want to see how some of those things shape up because, you know, maybe in three months I will have more information. Like I don't have to be made like right now, it, you know, because the team is not going to do anything with the decision. And then there are times I will ask the team for more information because as we discuss, as we, you know, when you get different perspectives, you'll be like, oh, I wish I had more information on X, Y, Z. So I will send the team back to go collect more information. And then, but one of the things that is time, that is uh, important to consider is to time box. And because the last thing you want is basically people have exhausted their argument. And they're just like, you know, if, ask, if when you go ask, you know, they're just kind of repeating the same argument over and over again. That's why it's like, okay, time to make a decision because all of the point has been exhausted and it's just become unhelpful and, you know, unconstructive at that particular point. So, you know, I also say like, you know, like don't spend too much time. I want to time block your decision-making. So we'll go find the right information. So I think that depending on what decision it is, there are lots of different techniques and definitely go solicit a different perspective from not only from your team, from your sister team, from other business functions, because that is also, there's so many, the, the more impactful the decision is, the more important you get perspective from every single different functions in the organization. Yeah, Julia, that's really great. At first, you just admit that you may only have the odds less than 50% to make the right decision. That will take the fear out of your decision-making process, put into more of an analytical process that we look at all the facts, we try to put a date time box it and try to unblock people and then we make decision. I, I think this is really great. And also a lot of the executive, yes, they, when they make decision, they maybe have a 50, less than 50% of a chance to make it right. However, they work harder. They use their all sorts of leadership to bring the team together and then they adjust their direction. Eventually they make it at 90%, maybe hundred percent right. That's right. You make it, yeah, you work, you know, once you make a decision, you really line up your team to execute towards it. And even then, every so often, I think another very important leadership quality is that, you know, later on, I'll be like, yeah, that was a wrong call. I made a call. I, you know, being humble and admit mistake. And I own, like, this is the decision I made. I own the mistake. And then, so, you know, I think that is also a very important thing. So, uh, so if something, you know, if, if I made a wrong decision, I fully admit to it. And I also kind of take it as a learning moment. It's like, okay, let's think about what have we, like, why, why do we make the wrong decision? And I will actually think about, okay, this is the thing that, this is maybe the question I should have asked that will have gotten me the right information. And so let's learn that lesson and just move forward because that's the only thing you can do in life is move forward. 
Yeah, it's, it's really great, uh, great advice. <clears throat> so I, I prepared a lot of a question uh, with Daniel's help. And I definitely have many questions to ask you, but uh, we can save them for next time. But I, before we, uh, we finish the fireside chat, I have one more question to ask. Look forward. And now we, many people get shots. So the pandemic will be over soon, I hope sooner. Then what's your prediction of this uh, remote working, distant learning, all those things related to digital transformation? And I think the pandemic accelerated it. But after this pandemic, what's your prediction? Well, I think that many, I think the new business norm will be different. Uh, you know, I gave you, I give you a bunch of examples. Uh, you know, I was uh, just uh, on Thursday, I was spending time meeting up with a bunch of startups. And I remember how I used to fly to Silicon Valley. That's one thing I used to go do quarterly. And I will, you know, like basically we'll have the, you know, the startups coming to a VC's office and et cetera, et cetera. And then we will have a discussion. Now we just go have, you know, Teams meeting or Zoom meeting, <laughs> arrange it all the time. And that is such a convenient way. Um, I, in fact, my very last trip before the pandemic was to Israel to go meet with startups there. And I think about that, you know, that kind of business travel. It's like, you know what? I can just do it in my, in my house. I don't have to go fly anymore, right? Uh, my son's school, you know, the, you know, because they have enabled remote learning now, uh, they have hybrid learning right now. The principals are thinking ahead. It's like, you know, in the old days when student is sick, students like they struggle. They're like, hey, I don't want to go miss out the class. You know, they actually will still go to school and end up infecting other kids. Students like, well, maybe you can actually just, you know, like stay home and learn uh, rem like, you know, remotely. And then so that will actually keep the rest of the kids healthier and not, you know, like, otherwise you don't feel like you have completely missed out on the, you know, on the school learning. Uh, so many of doctor's appointment is all complete. You, you know, you build online, you actually, sometimes you can just do a, video conference, you know, to see your family doctor, it saves the travel, all of that. Even my parents are taking advantage of that. And I don't, I think that is a great way, you know, like, you know, like in particular for quick consultation and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think that should absolutely stay. So that's why I want to think about it, you know, like, and I think about some of the meetings that we have and some of the offsite, because now we're doing <clears throat> video presentation, people can also use the chat to make comments and talk at the same time. It's actually so much better <clears throat> than the offsite we used to have. You know, we used to rent these big, huge ballrooms in the hotel, you know, and then basically these big projectors, you have to limit attendance because otherwise the room gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> it's very hard to get a word in because the room is so big. I feel I have to go shout to make myself heard, which I hate to do. It, it, I'm like, you know what? The, the new way is actually so much more civilized. Uh, I also remember my boss liked to keep the room really, really cold. So a bunch of us will like, you know, put like yeah. a really heavy jacket on to go there like, oh God, it's like freezing. And now I can, you know, sit in the temperature controlled exactly by me in a room. So I think that there's actually many positives. I also think people crave for people to people connection. I mean, I think we're all dying to see our friends and family. So I think we're definitely gonna look forward to that. But I do think many of the business norms will be changed. Uh, I have so many people who have moved to different countries uh, or different part of the United States during the last year to be closer to their family. And people realize that they can work effectively being remote. So I think that, you know, we really started, Microsoft started really evangelizing this hybrid workplace. Um, and I think that is something that we have to keep exploring on what does that look like? 
Um, and uh, I think that the business norm and how we interact with each other and you know, there'll be less business travel and there'll be many more new ways for us to keep connections. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, our business, my business, like A2C, we do daily workout together. And some, you know, I lost like 16 pounds and I even get uh, not six packs, I like uh, four of them. And then many of our students lost 15, 16 pounds. And we have students uh, all over the uh, globe, Europe, you know, China and the US, Canada. And you look at this, you know, we, we really felt like this, I, I hope this, um, distant learning, hybrid learning mode is gonna continue. Like me, I'm gonna travel around to meet with my students, to go to New York, Texas. You know, I will go to Seattle maybe for, for, uh, for a week because we do have uh, several students at the Seattle and go to Europe. I can still teach, I can still exercise with my students on a daily basis. I, I think the world is very different from now. Totally, totally. And I hope for better. I'm really looking forward to, uh, I, I cannot wait for this pandemic. Right. Uh, thank you, uh, Julia Elizabeth. And thank you, Julia, for your inspiring stories. Uh, let me start off by asking uh, uh, Julia about leadership question. What are the books that have inspired you, uh, your leadership uh, philosophy? Books? Um... I, uh, there are a couple of like, uh, I would say classics, which I really like. I, I highly recommend people reading it. Uh, one of them is the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's a classic. Um, and I think that, you know, I think you will find, you know, I, I believe being proactive is actually one of the habits that's actually talked about in the book. Another very important one, super important one that they talk about in the book is the really think about, you know, the win-win mentality. Uh, and that is so important in how you interact with people around you. So I, that's one book I definitely recommend. The other one I recommend uh, is another classic is Dale Carnegie's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think that's the name of the book. Yeah, yeah that is another awesome one that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, and the third book, I particular, I think that we probably have a lot of women uh, in on the call. Uh, I really uh, took inspiration from is actually um, Cheryl um, Sandberg's Lean In. Mm -hmm. I will say when I read the book, I, you know, it, it, it just, it just so resonated. And I really admired, you know, like there's all of these things, you know, kind of like, oh, is it just me? It's like, you know, all of these experiences that we had as, you know, women, you know, in tech field for so many years. And I really admired, like she wrote it down. She has the courage to write it down. And uh, because the question I had in my head all the time was that, that petty of me, you know, should I think this way? Should I feel this way? And the fact she wrote it down really made me feel like, oh, wow, I'm not the only woman that feels this way. And so many different women feel that way. So uh, that was another book I definitely recommend to our, um, uh, our women. Yeah, that's really awesome. I think I, all the books were my favorite as well. And uh, uh, one more book, which is Zero to One. Yeah, I love that. Really, yeah, it really put you into a very a uh, fresh mindset and to start things from zero and also give you the courage to start from zero. Yeah. Yep. Thank you both for sharing uh, the books that have inspired you. I, I also strongly believe reading to lead. Uh, uh, there's one uh, 
like what Harry uh, Truman said, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Yeah, I, I want to say one more thing, build on your question, Daniel, is that I think there's many different ways of learning. Another thing that I, I learn a lot from all of my interactions with all the people. There's so much learning, you know, there's, I think there's a famous Chinese saying that, you know, when, among three, there's, you know, you can learn from one of them. I'm a big believer of that because I have learned from good managers and bad managers. From good managers, I learned and I was like, oh, I really liked how he or, actually in my case, always he, I've never had a woman as my manager, you know, sort of like what he has done. Uh, I was like, this is something I can take away with me. And from the bad managers, I also learned, oh gosh, that was, you know, I didn't like how that was handled. So the next time, you know, when I ran into that situation, I will try not to do the same thing. And then, so I think that, you know, there's so much learning and we can get from our interactions with people. And that's another super important source of learning. And in addition to books and, you know, seminars and all of these other things. So, uh, you know, like definitely learn from day-to-day -day interactions. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Thank you. Uh, my second question is for uh, Julia. Uh, Julia is a leader, and how do you stay relevant in technology trends so that you can make the best uh, decisions about where to invest? It's, I, no, I think it comes from everyone around me, I'm gonna say. And then so, you know, like I expect my team to share their ideas with me. And that's very important. So you want to truly have a diverse team with different ideas, right? And you know, this is connected to my early points. We, I don't want a team that they just do what I say, like that would be a terrible team. So you want to have a team that basically they're, they really feel very comfortable to kind of bring up their ideas with you. So as a leader, you have to think about how you foster an environment that really make that happen. And then, you know, there's, you know, I think reading like, you know, really keeping up to date to the latest, like what is, you know, what's going on is very important. Uh, I think earlier I mentioned, I spent a lot of time talking to the VC community and talking to startups. And I love my conversation with startups because we compare notes on what I'm seeing, talking to customers, what I am, you know, what are they seeing? And so we compare notes and see, you know, what are the trend? And, and uh, that is a very, to me, I think that is a very important source as well. Talking to your customers. And you know, really understand you know how the industry is changing and what the industry is transforming. What are problems that they're running into? And then really think about you know and starting to develop a point of view, what we call called cohorting customers, right? Because not all the customers are the same. Different customers will have different needs. And then really think about you know like how so you that will as you talk to customers and cohorting them, you will get a better idea of you know the addressable market. What are the challenges? You know, do you have differentiated solutions to solve those customers' problem? And then, you know, I look at, you know, I go deep into our technology, which is super important. And then look at, do we have a new innovative ways to solve those problems? Or, you know, like we're like, yeah, you know what? We know what, we know that's a problem. There's no new ideas to solve that problem. And, you know, the solution has been tried by others. So there's no point of us trying again. And I, you know, it's like, yes, we got really smart developers. Doesn't mean, you know, like until you have a new, approach new insight something you know otherwise the problem is sort of like the same and um and also those are all the different ways i kind of you know stay connected with the industry with the customer with the you know with investment community you know with my team 
And then we actually every so often, you know, we'll I will post an open question to say, well, how do we think about this? We'll actually go do a lot of reading and learning together. And then we are continually context setting among ourselves to figure out like, hey, you know, are, we, are we really have the same viewpoint about this particular area? And that will help us inform whether this is a thing we should invest or not. Thank you, Julia. And there's a uh, last question is from audience uh, who's called Jeff. And Jeff Chung has a question. Uh, he said, I noticed that nowadays there are quite many Asian uh, becoming the uh, first level of engineering managers. However, not many are in high level management positions. Uh, what would you suggest for them how to advance to next levels and success uh, as you are, successful as you are? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, when I think about, I, I'm gonna say something pretty pointed. I think that, you know, you will see a lot of Indian execs all over Bay Area and all over, you know, tech world. Um, and I think that, you know, in this particular reference it's probably more East East Asian, I would say. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's a, that was a, what the question is. And, you know, that there's a phrase for that. It's called bamboo ceiling, actually. And uh, And I think that one of the things about the culture maybe a bit mm. of the East Asian is it's probably a little bit very conformant and there's a little bit more tendency of groupthink. And being conformant, I think that it's really like, you know, like people sometimes are a little bit too worried about really standing out. People are a little bit worried about, you know, like raising a radical idea, a radical idea um, and, you know, to my earlier point is that you have to think about how you're going to be different than everyone else. And that is not a common question that all the kids get when they're growing up. And so I actually think that is actually, you know, I think that in some ways, I think the, the Asian kids tend to be more alike than different. And I think that is also, you know, I think I do see some, some of the most brilliant engineers I know on my team are, you know, are East Asian, but sometimes they are so quiet. You know, when you go into a meeting, you know, I don't hear their voice. And then, so if you don't have a voice, you cannot be a leader because no one knows what you're thinking about. And you're not really articulating a future. And if you are not, you know, if, if you don't have a position, people won't follow you. And so how do you, you know, expect to be a leader if you don't have a voice? And so, you know, I really, you know, want to encourage, you know, the first line managers, you know, all of that is that first be patient. I think that, you know, now 